There is a parable with a moral we could all learn something from in this day and age of information spread so easily between our phones and tiny, tiny little brains. Of a group of blind men presented with an elephant. One blind man walks up to the elephant and rubs its leg and says, Ah, well, this is obviously a tree, feeling the rough, bark-like skin. Another man walks up and feels the elephant's trunk and says, Well, this is quite clearly a snake. It's all long and sinewy. And another man walks up and grabs the elephant's dick and says, Oh, it's Steve. How are you, Steve? And then another man walks up and feels the side of the elephant and says, Oh, yeah, it's definitely Steve. Wow, Steve, you've really put on weight. And the moral of this parable is, besides it being okay in sort of Aesop fable contexts to be ableist as hell and make fun of blind men, uh, it's also totally chill to molest elephants. Uh, that's that's sort of the, the moral of the story. Um, and also, if you're blind, you, you, you can't tell what something is right away. Um, it's kind of a dumb story now that I think about it. Anyways, it'll make sense in a second why, why we started with that. On to the show! <laughs> <laughs> now that is a... That's a parable that's really as old as time. It's up there with you know the, the sowing the the a mustard seed worth of faith. You know. Mm, oh, the parable yeah. of the sower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the I, parable of the yeah. blind sower. Mm-hmm. The parable of the blind sower who's just walking around a parking lot throwing seeds onto this asphalt. Someday this is gonna work out. Yeah, I want to have so much free Ray Poupon that I want to be printing money. Get those. I can find those cute little jars. Find them in the dump. I can sneak mm. into the recycling, in one of those, you know, the recycling center, big, gigantic dumpsters that everyone throws the glass into. And I can yeah. wear some sort of glass-proof suit so that when people throw the <laughs> bottles, <You> just... <laughs> I, won't, I can, I can yeah. slither around like a, like a snake, and there with my arms tucked to my side. I can slither around all the broken glass and set aside the Grey Poupon ones for me, just as long as they don't, you know drive away and bring me to the compactor you know i was imagining you dressed as like just in a suit of armor like just a full oh, nice suit of yeah, armor yeah. just yeah, like yeah. rummaging around in the trash like yeah, putting yeah. you know and you've got a horse standing next to the to the big bin <clears throat> and course. you're just putting gray poupon bottles in its saddlebags okay yeah that works yeah, yeah sort of like, I, like am mm-hmm. i still going through the garbage Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> like individual garbage cans or like people's recycling bins outside that are on the street? Or what am I? Or am it's I still both. climbing into yeah. those big ones at recycling centers? And just oh, yeah, you're also hang out? doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, because you like climb back out of the big bin and then you ride back down the street <laughs> stopping and looking in people's, yeah, you know, looking yeah. in people's recycling bins. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, uh, what, what would you say? It's like, um, what does a knight say? It's, uh, you'd be like, ah, it's Tuesday, tally-ho! And then you'd, you know, get suited up and get out there yeah, early yeah. Tuesday mornings while people's bins are out. Bef- yeah. Just riding along in front of the the garbage truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have it's a guy to... really, you don't really actually mm-hmm. have a horse. You have a guy following you who's just who's just clanking two two pieces of glass together. making Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. More of like a glass horse sort of sound, you know? Then you you're just like on an old bike you found in the dump, <laughs> just riding it along. And then just you two just flat tires. Uh, <laughs> and then you get into a jousting match with one of the with one of the garbage trucks. <laughs> yeah, no, that would work very well. Ah, uh, of a modern day yeah. Don Quixote. Yeah, one of those mm-hmm. deals. One of those one of those classic scenarios where when someone's like, "What are you doing?" and you're like, "It's the parable of the sower." It's <laughs> the blind sower. Yeah, I'm blind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's why there's no yeah. isolate in my helmet. I don't need it. <laughs> don't it's need it. Tactical. Folks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's the original tactical kind of guy. I guess it was a yeah. knight, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No knights are they're classic tactics. They're a classic tactical type individual. Tactical type of guy, yeah. It'd be a very funny move is to, you know, get a suit of armor and then just spray paint camo on it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, showing like up. Spray paint camo a sword, too. Oh, like yeah. All that stuff. Mm-hmm. Got to just 
you've got your horse painted camo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the shield, it's a big. It's painted to be a big NYPD badge. Oh, shield. I was thinking it would just be a big Dodge Ram logo. Oh, that'd be good too. Yeah, (laughs) but it's got to have like no, no, no. It's got to have like the a a big Dodge Ram logo, but it needs like the but it needs like the Donald Trump hair on it, and to have like the Punisher is like the Ram's face, but it's got the big horns. Yeah, and it's got like a Blue Lives Matter crossover, and somehow you got to work in Calvin Calvin pissing on. uh, I don't know a meatball that has that is oh, just says Ron. Ron. Right on it. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. a meatball. <laughs> I hate the fact that like there is a constituency of I oh I almost sent this to you right before we started recording. I saw a post on Twitter of somebody who just gotten a delivery of blue and yellow uh, truck nuts. It was like nice. Oh, yeah. nice. And a portion of the uh, proceeds were going to or the profits were going to Ukraine or like a hundred percent of the profits nice. or something. Yeah. Yeah, wow. A hundred percent of the profit. I don't know. Yeah, it's something like that. But it would just yeah, be nice. incredible to uh it, it it's incredible to me that, you know, now that you've said it, maybe it already exists, but the if you sold a Calvin pissing onto a meatball with the word Ron decal, <laughs> there is a non zero number of people that would buy oh, that. Yeah. yeah, if if you knew who to market it to, you could do pre orders on that. Oh yeah. And sell out. Did I tell you about the time that I saw a car with, like, and it was in, like, 212-point font, like, huge sticker across the, it took up the entire top of the back of their windshield, and it was just the uh, letters and number, O-M-W, the number two, F-Y-B. Nice. And I, like. That's good. Yeah. Do you know what that stands for? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, wow, that's a, why would you do that? Your because they probably were well that's you know they scrape it off every time they're going somewhere else yeah <laughs> you wouldn't believe the amount of money i spend on fucking detailing on this car it's, oh my god yeah listen it's this is really more of a, a point of personal pride than anything but god it's it's taken a lot out of my fucking my blind tasting budget <clears throat> yeah yeah so without further ado folks here we go so um, I have been wanting to do this sort of tasting, uh, for a while. Not this exact one, but some sort of, like, big tasting for when, um, <clears throat> for when you came out, you know? Yeah. And, um, I've, I had an idea, because the DRC dinner last year, right? Obviously insane. And the whole point of that was, like, look at these crazy wines. Let's do these wines. Let's do the wines that people normally have, uh, that are probably, like, fake versions of those wines. And ab- abuse them by doing, like, some dumb fucking look whose dick is bigger than whose type of contest. And let's actually like have good food with them, like food that's meant to go with these things. Um, so this time around we did the, and we still did it. Obviously the food and wine were still very good uh, the, from the, the whole like Amarone and Zen one. Uh, but um, this was like, all right, there's a bunch of things that I've been, like my theory was that basically like old Burgundy, like Grand Cru Burgundy and stuff, it's not like, let, sure, it's all about terroir. But, the reason that people who are like, oh, I'm a, I'm a Psalm, right? And I like, I like Pinot Noir, I like Nebbiolo, and I like a very small handful smattering of these other things. My theory is that like, there is some basis in that, right? And as they get old, they sort of, sort of like asymptotically get close to this thing that very old, uh, very good uh, wine can sort of become, you know, where like Zins like light, lighten a bit some pinots gain weight some get lighter you know all these sorts of wines transform but they all turn you know all of the best examples of all these different wines turn into this sort of like ethereal umami meshed with fresh fruit in sort of like a perfumed kind of exotic sort of way um and that's obviously a very like broad and vague categorization but the as these wines get older they and when i say these i mean the wines that we'll sort of discuss and the ones I had in mind, um, they approach sort of a similar style that is just like what those people actually are, are looking for, you know, and what is sort of like, I guess, the epitome of like fine wine in a way. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Pinot can do it. Grenache can do it. Nebbiolo can do it. Syrah can do it. Syrah can do it. Like all, all sorts of grapes can do it. Cab Franc. Um, depends. 
Capron can do it. Yeah, and it just comes down to terroir in terms of like this grape, you know, does best, not should be here, but like does best in this specific place. And when it the right thing is grown in the right place with enough time, it can produce something similar to this other thing that is for in purpose perfect for this place or whatever. So, um, there were a few wines that I had in mind that I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to get some sort of old example of old Pinot. I wanted to get um, old, uh, like, Loire Cap Franc. I wanted to get old Napa. I wanted to get old Nebbiolo. I wanted to get uh, probably, like, old Musar. I wanted to get, you know, shit like that. Um, and then a whole bunch of other wines just got added onto it because I was like, hey, you know what else would be really cool if we had this? Hey, you know what else would be really cool if we had this? Um, and fuck it, let's just do them all blind. You know, um, so that's the general setup slash premise for it. Am I, am I missing anything you think? Mm, no, I, yeah, it was, um, yeah, there wasn't, I, I would say there wasn't a more specific theme than, uh, what, like, yeah, just wine aging into something like, I don't know. Yeah. All, they were all expressions of stuff that just demonstrated something that you cannot get from wine below a certain age. Uh, yeah. Maybe be my contribution to what you're saying or reframing of rearticulating totally, yeah. something you've already articulated quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I promise I so, have things to say. Yeah. Yeah. So I think also th- there were a couple wines where like one of the people who, uh, 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 came was the one who like fucked with me on with the with the penfolds grain. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I gotta fuck with this guy, you know, because like he's doing it to me, I gotta do it to him. So, um, should should I like give people the lineup, or should we sort of tell them the order in which we we had all these things? Well, um, maybe we uh should do the lineup because that could kind of illustrate your point uh, about what mm-hmm. the theme of the tasting was and then we okay. could go back through them all um because also the uh it was all reds with the exception of one on your end and then there was oh, one the blind yeah and then there was yeah, one yeah. white blind that he brought um mm-hmm. but yes. and then there was one yeah and then there were uh and then the other guy brought the that old Bordeaux, so that was blind. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I already gave it away, but uh, well, I didn't give it away yet. You know? No, um, no, no, you didn't. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, the so other, what was the other old one that he brought? Or it wasn't as old, but it was. Um, it's also very um, good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, that was a um, uh, a Napa one. I forgot right, about that one. Right, I forget the name of the producer, but that that'll be a good uh, mm-hmm. one to bring up. So so um, had a bunch of oysters. So I was like, oh, let's start out with like champagne or whatever. So. Um, there was a, I think, uh, I think the name is, um, yes, it's Stefan. Yes, Stefan uh, Coquillette as a champagne producer. The wines are very good. Really and, uh, good. Access to some vintage stuff. Normally doesn't really do vintage, like zero dosage, um, Blanc de Noir stuff. Um, so we had it. Very good. It was funny to do the, the couple days after the um, Paul Roger, the Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. Um, just to contrast the the styles, but um, just like the same like hard, like dense, linear fruit, but also with like a ton of richness. And you're like, oh shit, this is very different. And this also will benefit from a lot from like a lot of age. Yeah. Um, and uh, gorgeous stuff. Like I was like, fuck, I can't wait to have a bottle of this, but also I don't want to have another bottle of this because I want it to age for a long time. Uh, yeah, I thought the cookie it was more accessible than the uh, Winston Churchill, but that was oh god, yes. It would yeah. have also like I was sad we didn't have caviar to go with it, but also the, the <laughs> pairing of oysters might have worked better for the. Oh yeah, for like the the caviar went amazingly well with the crystal, but I feel like the um, Winston Churchill would have gone better with oysters, which is a. I think so. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm. You I don't have to repent. You know. Yeah, well, well, yeah. I feel like I do, but. Uh, <laughs> It it was a very like that was a really because so if I'm remembering this right you got um, a half case of ver- the vertical that was released so it was eleven twelve thirteen yes. fourteen fifteen sixteen I think eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen I think I think that's how it I think that's how it went oh yeah and it was only it was, just, maybe, it was those five bottles yeah it was five um, bottles yeah but we yeah, opened it was like damn I should have got more. The friend who uh, fucked with you with the penfolds, 
and he yes. requested to try the 11 with you at some point. I don't think he necessarily thought it was going to be that night, but that's what I'm remembering you saying is that he was specifically interested in trying the 11 because of how that vintage has been um, discussed and like treated so far uh, in terms of just champagne generally. Um, am I getting that right? Uh, uh, yeah. So I think like it wasn't, it wasn't like widely declared, like, you know, it wasn't like widely considered like, oh shit, 2011's a great fucking vintage or whatever, you know? Um, 2012 was, but yeah, wasn't, 2011 like was... 2002 and 2012 are so far the like highest esteemed vintages of the century. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like 20, yeah, 2011 was like, you know, like there's no like 2011 Dom or whatever, you know, like they didn't, they didn't, mm-hmm. they didn't make it. Um, so I was curious, I'm like, what is like off vintage, vintage champagne taste like? Yeah. Um, and it makes sense. Like it was pretty austere. Um, yeah. The acid was like screeching. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is what I, this is what I want. So it comes down to like, oh, is it just like, if we're going to make a vintage wine, like, is it more like sales driven? I wonder, I'd be curious about to talk to a champagne producer about that. I um, Im- imagine if they like re- the way that they disgorged all of that and released all of it, they m- probably like had the barrels going for a while and got to the point where they were like no these are good enough so we're we're gonna do this and just kind of package this away as a project that we're just gonna like then release at when we like just do it as a like if see it sounded a bit like a sales not stunt but you know like uh it seemed like from what you were saying them kind of rolling out the idea of doing vintage stuff because it's you said they'd never done vintage uh wines at all before right I think so. I mean, I, I I could be wrong about that, but I think this was more just like a, a project or like something that the guy had done and like they hadn't really thought about like selling it or something. And then they, they were just kind of like, hey, could we buy some of this? And he was like, all right, fine. Oh, you know, okay. I think that's yeah. what, that's what it was rather than him being like, hey, so I'm trying to get rid of this, all, all this shit. Um, but I, you know, I could have that. Uh, I could have that mixed up. No, no um, I mean, it's, it was very, very cool. And the wines are amazing. They're really good. I mean, yeah, goddamn. Yeah. The um, so open that and then did the uh, a B cart Simone mm-hmm. Billy cart uh, Billy cart from uh, this the rose they're like top rose from 2007 and uh, that's one that I've been wanting to open for a while and I was like fuck I want to try this so bad because I love their regular non vintage um, mm-hmm. uh, rose I think it's fucking delicious uh, despite um, the <clears throat> serious collectors uh, who have a serious champagne palate. Uh, thinking that it's, you know, basically not uh, worth their time, you know, mm. to put it nicely. And uh, I'm like, you don't know what good wine is. You don't enjoy <laughs> your life. And you are probably one of the least deserving people to have these luxurious items. But anyway, that's a separate tirade. Yeah. Um, that, this uh, wine was that, very good. That specific, actually, I think it's the Blanc de, either Blanc de Noir or Blanc de Blanc. Um, Bicard Simone is... Uh, some very discerning champagne aficionado friends who um I Do I know him? You do. Um <laughs> I've drunk that wine because of them multiple times actually. Not the rose, mm-hmm. but uh Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I it does it's one of those like um kind of don't want to blow blow up the spot too much so that yeah. the price doesn't yeah. go up. Uh Yeah, yeah. Houses. They're good, folks. They're not great. They're, they're okay. Yeah, they're, fine. they're fine. Uh, they're very fine. Whatever you do, uh, let us buy them, and we'll share them with you when the time is right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you just just go on over to Patreon.com/slash/fourteen. <laughs> Sign up for the be- for let us buy you Bicard Simone tier. That way, we will buy you free Bicard Simone. That'd be a very. We should give legitimately have a tier where it's like at this tier, we'll actually tell you the wines that we're worried about people buying. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, uh, yep. Yeah. Just start beeping out every like third wine we mentioned. <laughs> like, why do I listen to this? Like, there's now there's there was barely wine content before, but now this is just they're going literally out of their just way to make beeping sure out the names of producers that like whenever they talk about how, actually loving a producer a lot. <laughs> just like <laughs> it sounds oh, like listening to Morse code. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but the 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 wine was really fucking good, and we yeah. decanted it. And even then, like we we're like, oh, this thing needs like ten more years. 
not yeah. 10 more years, but like you can have it, but it needs a decant, but it's just like, it needs time. And like, it's really fucking delicious, but you can tell like all the aromatics and everything is not like, it's not totally unfurled and you're not seeing all of what it is. Um, you're not seeing the whole story. Is you're not seeing the, the whole story, but uh, dollar for dollar, folks, it's dev. It's not worth it. It is <laughs> a loser. It's a cube with a QPR. Mm. Just fiasco. You might as well go buy a Screaming Eagle, you know? And so, then put that in a soda stream so you have Sparkling Screaming Eagle. Sparkling Screaming, yeah. It's like Gurgling Eagle. <laughs> you know? Gargling Eagle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. So, we started with those, right? And then now we can move on to the blind tasting wines. And then I can maybe put like an NFL theme song. <laughs> One of those, you know. Uh, yes, so. Um, Folks, these wines had wine. labels so ugly, we had to put a bag over them. <laughs> oh, people uh, People are saying that they loved the Tucker Carlson intro last time on the Patreon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> people are saying, people are saying that it was very good. Folks, people are saying that <laughs> it was a really good, really good idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sign up at patreon.com slash corktank to, to hear all that episode about it. Oh, God. You missed it. Napa Cab, spectacular. Spectacular. Look, people are saying, not everybody, but people who know, the people who know, know Napa's winning, folks. They've been winning. They're going to keep winning. It's You're losing because you're not buying the wines. The wine's too expensive. Yep. You can't afford them. Yep. That's your problem. Yep. That's not Napa's problem. Yep. Napa doesn't have any problems. What fires? What fires? <laughs> <laughs> global climate yep. change? What global climate change? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. yes. Immediately backed so. myself into a corner there. <clears throat> you know it's all right yeah, yeah. so the, we got some wines um, to get to we do yes so as we, we were putting these wines in in, in the bag we double decanted them put all the wines in the bags and we were kind of laughing <laughs> to ourselves like damn this is fucked up like this is a really a fucked up thing to have all of these wines mm-hmm. at the same time mm-hmm. and doing them blind it's mm-hmm. pretty it's pretty fucked up so <clears throat> unfortunately i mean fortunately only one of the wines out of the 20 were corked unfortunately it was a bottle of um, 1983, uh, I think, um, La Chapelle Hermitage. So, mm-hmm. bummer on that one. And it was... Extremely fucking And we learned an amazing story about that vineyard as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. We will get back to that. Yes. So, I guess I will tell people, yes, the first bottle that... Uh, we did blind was none other than 1997 Chateau Grier. Now, I think that's a very unfair blind. I've never had it. Uh, I had never had the wine up until then. But trying to read about it online is everybody was like, yeah, no, this, like, I don't even know what to say about this wine. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's, like, high acid, especially for, like, what it is. It's it's very high acid. Um, It's nothing like any other Viognier. And for everybody that doesn't know Chateau Grier, there's probably a good reason for it because you, like, never fucking see it. It's a monopole, and it's a, um, I think it's the smallest AOC. Uh, so it's, it's like, its own wine-growing region just be, just based on how good that the terroir is there. And it's just, it's like imagining you had a, a vineyard at your house, and then that was so good that the country of France decided, yeah, no, you get your own you get your own fucking label, like geographic region that you can just call your house. Which, so um, for for like context with that, like that's the situation with um, like there are monopoles within Burgundy for vineyards yeah. like Domaine de la Romanicanti and Latache yeah. and Echezo. Like those, yeah. you know, they're in the broader AOC of uh, you know um, von yeah, Romany like or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. they are. AOC, they're essentially AOCs unto themselves as monopoles. Like, they are, like, you could say, uh, like, and it's like a, this thing is this, but that thing is not this kind of, like, 
IQ yeah. test type question where you can have a <laughs> yeah. you can have a von Romney wine this from, this. yeah you can have von Romney wine <laughs> from multiple vineyards and maybe even like an Esch, a, a wine that includes a little bit of fruit from Eschizo for whatever reason winds up being a von Romney AOC wine because they didn't want to make Eschizo that year or whatever but you could not call a wine from any other vineyard in uh von Ro- the von Romany AOC Eschizo because that is against the law yeah it's literally illegal it's illegal um people have gone to jail for this kind of thing in france which is france very funny um but yeah um but the part that makes this whole thing that we're talking about even more crazy is it's fucking viognier so god fucking damn it it's viognier and it's like insanely expensive it's so expensive and uh, so when I saw it at auction for a price that was not excruciatingly, eye-wateringly expensive, I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get this." And I, there's a 99.999999% chance I won't get this thing, and that's fine because like this is one of those wines, like Screaming Eagle, where I'm like, "Hey, if I don't ever get to try this thing, like that's fine." But also like I would, I want to try this wine much more than Screaming Eagle because like Screaming Eagles, it's like okay, imagine a very good Napa Cab, sure, like that I can visualize that, right? But if somebody like tells the you best possible version, you know, so, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, so it, but it does not work with if someone's like, imagine the best possible Viognier, and you're like, what? Why? Yeah, what the one mean? I don't have to drink. <laughs> like, is that the one? Is that it? Imagine no, the it's... best Condrieu you can you can even think of. It's like uh, I don't want to do that. Why? Because yeah. spoiler alert: we're dicks about Viognier. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just, just like yeah. Screaming Eagles, a dick about the letting people buy their wines. <laughs> yeah, one thing I was wondering uh. about Viognier was like, because you see, like, whatever in older cookbooks and stuff, like, dude, people, French people in the fucking fifties, like, fucking loved Viognier. Yeah, in the forties and fifties and shit, they fucking loved it. So I wonder if it was just just colder there, and like Viognier actually had more acid. That makes sense. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. For, so, for what it's I worth, also like about that. Um, if anyone at Screaming Eagle does listen to this, please send us some of your wine. We would actually really love to try it, but you know, we uh, yeah, I don't think they're gonna do that. But we're that's poor a cute little pitch plebeian pe- people, but we would yeah. love to. You know, yeah. Also, your name's hilarious because have you ever heard like a bald eagle's actual call? Like yeah, like literally like a seagull. Yeah, movies like literally use the sound a red-tailed hawk makes instead of <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> because it sounds cool and a bald eagle yeah. doesn't. So, anyways, that's, yeah, you know, dude, hawks are fucking sick. Dude. Anyway, but yeah, I'm um, gonna just keep ragging on Screaming Eagle, but then you know, switching right back to like, but please send us wine. We'd really love to try them. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, you're cool. Yeah, and we. Yeah, so I was out. like, please be okay. <laughs> please answer our texts. <laughs> so I was like. This is a very unfair blind, but like it, it's an unfair blind if you think the point of blind tasting is to get the wine right, which I think is like, as we've discussed previously, that's not the point of it. But Even though you did that exact thing that night, but we'll, that's not the point. The we'll point get is that <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. That's that's something different, and I'll tell you why that's different. Um, no, but um, the right so. I asked them, all right, so what do you guys, what do you think this is? And they were like, ah, I don't really know. Um, and they kind of went back and forth, blah, blah, blah. I think one said Alsatian. One said like Northern Italian. Did they say, what do you say, Northern Italian? Yeah, I think that those were two things that were thrown out. Um, I don't remember if I tried to lead the lead the witness by suggesting Friulano, but I could see that as a thing somebody mm. guessed it was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I think the Jura got mentioned at some point. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so all, you know, all very good guesses. Um, And when I, you know, I was like, all right, do the reveal. Pretty much everybody was just like, what? Yeah. (laughs) What? (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Just confused. Like, why do you, like, how did you get this? Why do you have this? Like, where'd you find this? Like, what? Also, like, why are you why are you giving it to this in this context? Like, this is just this is what this wine tastes like. Dude, it was a lot of question marks. For everybody, yeah, it was the same sort of like, response same. you get from telling people that prior to uh, Mad Max Fury Road, the last thing George mm-hmm. Miller directed was Happy Feet Two. <laughs> 
That was sort of oh, the man, vibe. That's so fucking good. That's so good. Yeah, no, that's perfect. No, that is Just perfect. Like, what? Wow. Like, like you mean the the penguin, the penguin one, right? Like that's <laughs> the one where that's, the pe- what, that's the happy feet. Yeah. Like no, it's actually it's a it's a foot fetish, violent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. BDSM so, pornography. You're like, oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, it's the movie that, that inspired Tarantino's entire career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So um, no, but it was super cool. So I'll, a little side note about this before we get to the next wine was. I had that wine open for, I think, a week after that. And every day I would take a little taste. And every day, like, it didn't budge until the last day I had it open. A week later, right? There was, like, you know, maybe, like, two tablespoons of the wine left in the bottle. And finally, boom, acid, so right. Acid was, like, sharp. And it wasn't like, oh, this is kind of acetic. It's been open for, like, no, like, it was beautiful. I was like, so, really? Wait. Oh, so this just needs a week worth of air. Is what this, <laughs> needs. this just needs a, a week open in the refrigerator. Or like what, like 30 years? I mean, it was almost at 30 years, yeah. Yeah, so like, it's just crazy. Yeah, like, that's I, nuts. I was like, this fucking, who knows, maybe that was like the single most pristine bottle of that that exists or something, you know? Like maybe, there's, <sighs> you know, like who who knows, but like. I was like, I don't want to just like drink this and be like, hmm, this wine's weird. I like, I want to, I want to get to the fucking bottom of this shit. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those, like, that also feels like one of those wines that it's exclusively being bought by, and I, this is a nebulous concept I have of a population that may or may not actually exist, but people who don't just have the money to buy whatever wine they want but also do genuinely know what the fuck they're doing and are very, like, thoughtful mm-hmm. about all it. Because I can't really imagine people are just buying... Like, maybe there are a few people who are buying Gruyere just because they're like, oh, wait, this is, like, really sought after and special and weird. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I feel like it must be getting bought by... Because there also can't be very much of it at all. So I would imagine most yeah, of it's... hardly any of it, yeah. ...getting bought by people who really are, like, you know, if you ever got to get in con- contact with them, would be, like... Oh yeah, no. This is like how long this vintage needs needs to be aged. This is how long I'm aging this vintage for. Like I I think of them as the kind of and I've heard of these people existing in like oh god where was there was some guy that um a, a dude I used to work for he went on this trip and met this person who was insanely wealthy like and, and a huge wine collector and he had like literally like he had like m- like shop buildings with he had like a shop building with um just like wine storage in it. Like he basically built his own self-storage facility because he was in a place where they, they couldn't do like an underground cellar easily or something. I think it was like near New Orleans or something like that. I don't remember. But yeah, the the guy visiting was like, well, what do you do when this fills up? And the guy was like, I just build another one. Because he's got that kind of money. And so there are people like that. And he had like amazing wine. Like he was like... Oh my God, I imagine, yeah. Yeah, and he knew what he was talking about with wine, but... So I think there are people out there like that where I imagine that's where that wine's going. That's, like, the only thing that makes sense to me about that. Because, like, DRC and... I think so. And, and, um... Like, even Ikem is in the realm of, like... Like, Dom Perignon, right? And DRC and Mm -hmm. Petru all suffer from, like, people know what they are, and they know... They know there's... It's like a Rolex, you know? And how, like, there's things like rolex that are for whatever specific purpose or something maybe like a better watch and you run into occasionally people who buy that um but if you if (laughs) if it's about other people seeing your rolex you buy a rolex even if there's a other better watch so that was a long-winded thing that derailed stuff but yeah i don't like i don't know who you would talk to about like that wine and figuring out when to drink it and no because because i like Talked to a bunch of people, asked a lot of people about those wines prior to, and it was, you know, it wasn't really anybody, I think, who was there. Maybe I did, but it was in a very, like, it was like three months before the thing happened. I wanted to make sure that they wouldn't be, it wouldn't be in their mind when they tasted the wines, you know. Um, but asking other people, and like, wine professionals who, whatever, are older, maybe they're in their, like, 50s or 60s, and they're like, have you ever had that wine? And they're like, they're very, like, kind of get this very funny look on their face. They're like, once. You're like, oh, all right. You're like, one. And they're like, yeah, it was like 20 years ago or something. And I had it at a tasting. And I remember being like, huh, huh. <laughs> and then like, that was it. That was like, I got like one taste of it. And like, that was that. And that's like the same like kind of story that I got from multiple people. I'm like, all right, this has to be, this has to be, you know, there's got to be something to it. 
And I think now because it's got so expensive, a lot of people do just buy it up for like financial purposes. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And they're not even drinking it for clout. They're just buying it because it's expensive and then reselling it later on, you know. Another great thing that's happened to the wine market. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. This I should tell you this off my... And I'll tell you now. There's like a podcast that started like following us and was like, hey, you should give our podcast a listen. Like, it's super cool, you know. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like, what is it? And it's a wine podcast. It's basically like... It's like a mutual fund, but for wine. Where like, oh. you'd give them like money and then they've already like... They're like, oh, you should you should give us money because we just added some 2019 white burgundy to our portfolio. And I'm like, dude, you are everything that is wrong with this. Like, this is oh, so bad. God. This is so fucking bad. Because now you don't even own any of the wine. You own, like, a quote-unquote share of this other wine that these other people own. And, like, so you're, like, it's just fucked up. Anyway, so yeah, you can't just... even drink it if you wanted to drink it. No, Suppose but they're a like, stock hey, trader. Fuck That's... my, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I imagine there's a bunch of people doing that now with wine, but it's like a podcast specifically devoted to like discussing trends within that industry. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's how about how about everybody just stops doing exactly what you're we doing? And go the world would, literally the world would be a better place. There's no. no positive aspect of you doing what you're doing. Well, you say that, but there could be because what we could do is go on their mm-hmm. podcast and <clears throat> and literally create. Or, or uh, um, what's the word? Uh, commit securities fraud and uh, <laughs> <laughs> recommend certain wines that we have, you know, access to quite a lot of at pretty good prices. Yeah. And then two thousand Cooks California Champagne. Now let exactly. me tell you exactly. People talk about Crew Clodomaniel. People talk about Salon. People talk about blah 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 garbage. Let me tell you about a little hidden gem. In the in the, un, the untapped potential that is California. Yeah. When people think California, what do they think? Hollywood. When uh, people think Napa, California, what do they think of? Auto parts. Exactly. Nobody's thinking sparkling wine. Yeah. Or wine. Nobody. But here's the thing. Me and there's a, a small family startup. We're going to start. It's called Cooks, right? <laughs> small family deal. And we only make maybe one to 25 million cases a year. And uh, <laughs> I got some, I got a library. We could do verticals every day until they figure out how to get those woolly mammoths back, which they probably already know how to do. But imagine that was 400 <laughs> years in the future. We could do that because based on the, how deep I am in cooks. So Buy cooks. Um, help us reanimate <clears throat> a mammoth. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So... Right, so that was that one. The next blind that uh, we were given. Um, okay, so it was a Domaine de Doisier, A-R-D-O-I-S-I-E-R-E-S, and the cuvee was quartz. Now, <clears throat> gave this to us all blind, and this is the one that I, uh, I guessed right on it. Um, because you guessed exactly what it was. Here's here's how I knew what it was. <laughs> Number one. So this, I don't think this specific one had been given to me before, but a while ago I was given uh, blind. Someone uh, poured me blind a wine. I was like, hmm, this smells like Shannon. It kind of like, it tastes like Shannon, but it doesn't have the acid. And like there's a couple other structure things that are like a little different on it. It's kind of like a little like creamier palate wise than, than I would expect Shannon to be, but uh, I don't know. I have no idea what else it could be. And then um, they were like, boom, it's Jacquere from Savoie. And I was like, who, who's going to blind me on that? Right. So this then fucking whatever. Guy. This fucking guy. So then about a year later, or not even maybe like six months later, someone else gets, blinds me on something. And I'm like, hey, this kind of tastes like, I'm like, oh, this tastes like Shannon, but it's not Shannon. And it has this thing, but I'm like, hey, hold on a sec. Someone gave me that that thing. Someone gave me something like this a while ago, and it was Jacquere. So let me just, is this from Savoie? And they were like, yeah, how'd you fucking get that? And I'm like, because that story happened. And I'm like, boom. And so that's that's happened to me. I've been blinded on those wines, I think, I think two, maybe two times since then. And this was the second time. And so I smelled it, and I'm like, this, also the, the person I knew who, the person who brought it, I knew likes those wines. <clears throat> and um, if someone was going to pour it for me to blind me on it, it was going to be him. Yeah. So, like, that's how I... So it wasn't just, like, 
I smelled the wine, and mm. it was just like a miraculous, like, ah, mm, you know. People say play the wine, up. not the man, when it comes to blind tasting. But if you can play both. Yes. Then uh, then you'll get the wine right, which I, which I did. And uh, mm-hmm. the wines are very good. Um, I don't think everybody liked it as much. Um, but it's kind of a, it's not a weird, it's not like a weird, like, fucked up, like, natural thing. Like, it's not weird in that way. It's just like, it's like a grape you haven't had before, and... Like, like you'll have it and you'll be like, is this Shannon? You're like, no, no, it's not Shannon. Is it this thing? No, no, it's like not that thing, you know? And so. It's got um, almost like the structure of Shannon with the more muted flavors of Viognier, if that makes sense. Like, hmm. But mm-hmm. then the acid, or it's got the acid of Viognier and the structure of Shannon maybe is the way to put that. And then like the, hmm. the. Uh, if I'm remembering right, the like flavors of like something between Pinot Blanc and Sylvaner. Um, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, yeah. I'd say also, I'd say it has a little, you know a little more acid than Viognier. But yeah, like, no, it had more acid than Viognier, definitely. But but something about like the combination with the structure of like uh, the rest of the wine, like it doesn't come off. It's it's very it's very creamy. It's very like sort of yeah 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 definitely just. It's so gentle. Like even though it did have mm-hmm. like very firm acid, it was mm-hmm. it was like pliable. Like the acid almost had the quality of like saran wrap. You know, like uh huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very like supple. But describing a wine as flexible, I guess, is kind of strange. But yeah, um, no, it I it was it was one of those exa- examples of wine that I like tr- drinking it. I was like. I understand that this is good and basically exactly what this wine is supposed to be. And I just am not, I don't have the right context for it, which is, this is also a good, yeah. like, so the way I hit that wine, because I was actually blinded on it, even though I was not blinded on most of the rest of what we drank, um, mm-hmm. because I knew what the wines were. Um, it, the thing about blind tasting that this whole evening was a really great example of is it is really nice to try wines without preconception of what they are or what they're going to be like. So just being able to drink stuff, not for the sake of figuring out what it is and demonstrating how good you are at identifying wines, which is, you know, it's a, it's a, there is skill in that that is worthwhile, but it's not, it shouldn't be like a contest or competition thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or, you know, it can be if you want, I guess, like there's a movie coming out that we should uh, try and figure out like how to watch at some point um about the uh world championships of blind wine tasting but um <laughs> but the ability to or to try a wine or the opportunity to try a wine i guess and just be like well what is this wine actually like not what do, what do i think it's supposed to be like what do i know about this producer that makes me like excited to drink this or just like like just approaching it open-minded essentially and just trying to be receptive is one of the things about blind tasting that can be really really good and then it can help you key in on how you actually describe wines and think about wines so that you then like successively having a wine that you hadn't necessarily ever bought yourself but have been blinded on multiple times is like of you know you really know how to hone in on that because it's something that you're like oh no this is like you know sort of state dependent memory but also like i've always kind of been presented this wine in a context where i describe it in terms of what the wine actually is not what i like know about where it comes from geographically vaguely or whatever or what i think that that grape's supposed to taste like versus what it actually tastes like like all that stuff um is something that i don't think we'd said any of so i just wanted to quickly insert that before we get into the red wines yeah no no i think it's a good uh it's a good point to make <clears throat> yeah, so the next the next three, they're red. So yeah, pretty much all in terms of blinds, all reds from here on out. Yeah. Also, um, speaking of so preconceptions, the, f- the next three get very funny. Um, so funny. So the next three, um, all burgundy. Um, and doing these, so th- so the idea was basically it wasn't like to say like burgundy's overrated. Um, but it was kind of to be like, hey, we didn't, other we didn't can, say that. Other people we said that. didn't say that. Yeah, um, I mean it was it was kind it was kind of like the the fucking like all right one thing that made me so angry as a kid you ever see Annie? Mm. Yeah, I hate that fucking shit. I hate that bitch. <laughs> Fuck you, Annie. Uh, you dumb little bitch. The anything you can do, it's like no, okay, no, you can't. You can't do my signature better than me, bitch. Okay, 
I can do my dumb signature that doesn't look good. You can't do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so just shut, you know, just just can it, lady. Anyway, but with that said, you were just mad. There's kind of anything you can do. I can do better. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, but pretty much the, the the theme of this tasting was like, hey, Burgundy, anything fucking that you can do somewhere else can fucking do better. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we could have another tasting so, all about that, baby. We could, Whoa. yeah. But <clears throat> no, I mean, obviously, Burgundy's its own thing. But there are other places that can do the same shit that Burgundy does, just like in a slightly different way. Like, you can do the very, you can do the same sort of finesse thing, but maybe you'll have like some olive tapenade and a little bit of grilled meat in there. And then you'll just say it's like Syrah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it'll be a little different. It might ha- it could still have all of the soubois and the mushrooms and the blah, 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 and all that shit. But it'll just have like, maybe it won't have the mushrooms. Maybe it won't have this other thing. It'll have this other thing plugged into it. But it'll be in the same like sort of like ethos of wine of where it is, you know. That's something that I think kind of, I feel like when people really get acclimated to it, I suppose, or deep into mm-hmm. it. I, th- I feel like people eventually move from feeling like Burgundy does that the best because there is mm-hmm. a just sort of general background s- sense of that to feeling like, um, and I we've sort of talked about this and we'll get into it with one of the wines in a second, but uh, that ne- one of the things that makes Nebbiolo so goddamn cool is mm-hmm. that it has all of the like kind of ferocity and power that bigger red wines have, but... Mm-hmm. It, it sort of tempers that down into an expression that is more reliably, I would say with age, a bit more reliably delicate than Burgundy sometimes yeah. winds up being. Yeah, no, I would, I'd, I would agree. <laughs> Which so. leads well into the first of the three, um, the first of the three, yeah. uh, Burgundy. Yes, the Burgundy, it was uh, the 2006, it's, it's, it's written... Leroy, but I believe it's pronounced Loire, um, Maurice Saint-Denis, Ochezeau. Now, this wine, um, again, all pretty much all these wines, but this wine is one of the most, like, th- these wines are so fucking expensive now. Like, yeah, all of the Loire wines oh, are, like, yeah. so there's, like, Domaine Loire, and there's Maison Loire, and I think mm-hmm. the, uh, one is either, like, sort of, like, a negociant type of thing, and one is, like, it's their own vineyard or something like that. Um, but basically, it's, like, she worked for like she worked for DRC like she worked there mm-hmm. and I think but the fan I think the family is like older than that I don't, I don't know the whole fucking deal but basically um people consider these wines on par if not better than DRC um and because of that the prices are going up and 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 up so this was a um I don't know if this was premier crew I think this might just have been um like a um, a oh. No, 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 it was a premier crew. It was premier. Yeah, crew. I thought it was. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it was just like a Ludi or for Ludi or if it was a premier crew, but um, yeah. So that was the first one. Um, the second one was a uh, was the Dugat P. Was that the next? Yeah, the next one was was the. Let me find the label so I can tell you the exact name of it. The Dugat P. Jeffrey Chambertin, and this is their Cuvée Corduroy. So. Um, this this is not a premier crew, but this is like their village, but a, you know a special cuvee of their village wine from 2012. Um, is that the one the label again, fell off like, of? No, no, yeah, the okay. label fell off of the um, Bruno Clavalier mm. uh, Corton. Corton is a Grand Cru that makes red wines. Um, Corton and then Ronier R O G N E T, and that was from 1999, which is like big fucking vintage. So these three wines, very good, like very, very, very good. Yeah. Very, very, very delicious. The um, yeah, yeah. What was your assessment of them? I think the Loire was my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. It was the most. So we opened that. You were on the fence about opening that, but there was some ullage in it, and yes, I think that that kind of. So it was no six. So it was one of the younger wines um, that got opened. Besides, like the champagnes. Um, yeah, the cork was in fascinating condition uh the entire cork had turned lavender in color so um i don't know what the storage history of that wine was before you got a hold of it yeah. but i have uh i know about that now and i can just tell you and i can remove it if we need to remove it but i can tell you the i was told a story about that producer 
Mm. Um, actually, I don't think I need to remove it. Basically, essentially, that producer is known for having, like, an extremely cold cellar. Like, uh, 38 degrees Fahrenheit is, like, their cellar. Wow. And they're also known for, like, overfilling their bottles. So, like, whatever, it's fine down there. But then as soon as the wines, like, come out of there and come to, like, let's say 55 degrees or 60 degrees, there's inevitably going to be seepage due to just yeah expansion, you know? Yep. No, <clears throat> so seepage is a, is a big issue with all of those wines, apparently. That's very interesting. But so that wild, makes, right? Because like, yeah, that the middle of the cork wasn't like soaked through, but no, it was like the outside of the cork. The, right? It it literally looked like wine had traveled up the ed, like the outside of the cork out of the bottle that way. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it was just like it like a vapor. It looked like there was a vapor barrier of uh of wine around the cork for long enough for color compounds to seep into literally. The because I've I'd never seen that with a cork where it was like even coloration all the way up on the outside and yeah there was no damage in the inside of it like it was fine but it was like literally just the the wine had like <laughs> had yeah per, like pressurized per, like essentially the the because uh, the wine was also in in great shape but it um it it was in really good shape but it was also uh more mature than. And mature or expressive, it was it was just drinking really beautifully is where I'm going with that. Um, and it had like that classic. It was it was the classic like this is what people want from Burgundy kind of thing that you were like exactly what you were talking about. I thought it had like this great um, soubois mushroom. The all the funk to it was very clean forest for flunk funk flunk. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then it had this great expression of fruit um very like balanced uh weight on the palate um and honestly just more sort of like rich and kind of dense and spicy than i think um because i have at least one person guessed that it was a uh syrah i think or an hermitage Hmm. um and i think it was either that one or the next one that somebody guessed it was a uh gsm blend um oh yeah 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 which uh so yeah i one of the things that i really loved about it was that it was expressing with more like elegance and just kind of than than young like grenache can totally express these things but just kind of takes a little bit longer to do it but it was doing all the mm-hmm. things that it was just like oh yeah this is like why people put morved syrah and grenache together is to get this like complexity and density and f- fullness of expression and pinot can do it all by itself but with mm-hmm. that level of like oomph, uh, you don't expect it to be Pinot doing it by itself. So, um, yeah, that yeah. one was really, really cool. The other two were also great, but they were more, uh, more dark fruited, more mm-hmm. intense. Um, yeah. And more sort of granular tannically. They didn't feel as, um, elegant, essentially. They opened up over the evening and were drinking just gorgeously, um, a little mm-hmm. bit later in the evening. But uh, yeah. I thought the Leroy, the Loire, uh started strong and finished stronger. So it was my, I'm, I'm just saying yeah. it was my favorite. Um, totally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that, yeah, that yeah. wine was really pretty, pretty fascinating. Um, it was like, like a very dense, like cranberry, like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, in terms of how when you get like, like 100% cranberry juice, like how concentrated the, like that, like a red fruit flavor can be. Mm-hmm. It had it had that that level of concentration, but like dialed down. If that makes any sense, so no, like it, very delicately conveying a very concentrated, like intense perfume. Like it's it doesn't really make any sense now that I'm hearing myself no, say this. It no, that's exactly uh, like where it, it was like that, but in, in perfect focus and dialed into sort of a level of um, transparency. Like instead of being mm-hmm. a one hundred percent opacity in the way that like cranberry juice very much is, it yeah. like was dialed back so that you could get this whole other flavor profile come through with all of that like forest f- floor stuff and all of these other elements where there was just this kind of uh, cohering like um, there was this overall coherence provided by that cranberry quality that. Mm-hmm. Um, that I I think like kind of all my favorite 
Pinot Noirs tend to have like mm-hmm. some version of that. If either with like in the red fruit territory, uh, you know, cranberry or um, rarely, but sometimes even raspberry um, or mm-hmm. uh, black cherry or cherry um, mm-hmm. are more common. And then in like uh, black fruit, like blackberry, black raspberry, marionberry. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It, it like we're uh, you know we don't need to go on about that particular wine forever but it's a frustrating example of like what makes burgundy really cool and why you know it it's frustrating that those wines are getting as expensive as they are because it's a wine that i would really love to show people and be like yeah this is this is like if you can really give pinot the the space to do it it'll kick the doors down and just fucking run the show like it's it's a really cool grape but but alas, none of us can afford these wines anymore. No, totally. I think like, and it's it's fucked up because of, like that's the exact type of wine that I would love to like buy a bunch of. Like, I would love to like. All right, I want to taste through all of the wines by this producer. Like, buy a whole bunch oh, yeah. of them, not to like hold yeah. them and sell them, but but like buy a bunch of them and taste them because I think you could learn a lot. Oh, from, yeah, a lot from a lot from those. They'd be um, such an amazing producer to learn. Um, that particular area of Burgundy through because they do work with mm-hmm. all. That's one of the other things about them that's special. I think they work with many vineyards. Whereas, and I think they're also the yeah. only vineyard that's ever gotten like I believe they get fruit from Latash. Um, hmm. It might not be Latash. It might be Romanée Saint Vivant. They have access to some fruit, and this goes back to what you were saying about the. I think her name was Lalu uh Loa. Mm-hmm. um when she was she was the winemaker for drc for a while uh i believe i could have that wrong it might have been a, someone else there the, yeah but uh there are bottles of drc with the name Loa on them because the winemaker's name is on the front label um and i believe that's the same family i, I i've gotten part of that wrong before and had to be corrected but um anyways th- they do, I believe, have access to one of the vineyards that DRC pulls from, and they basically are the only other producer that gets access to that vineyard. Um, and I, I think it might be Saint Vivant. It might be a different one. And yeah, yeah no, I need to it look that up. Might be Latash, but yeah, but um, but yeah, the next, um, the next was the the Dugat P. The so that wine, the 2012. It was yeah, definitely darker, sort of more more brooding. I think that was the one that. They said GSM blend, and I totally get that. Yeah. Something like, oh, yeah. New World or something like that. Um, and had, like, pretty, you know, distinct and clear reduction that I would associate with mm-hmm. Pinot. Um, either be, I mean, I could even, I could see that being, like, um, in terms of the, the saturation of fruit and the sort of, like, darkness of the fruit and combined with that specific type of reduction. I could see that being, like, me tasting that being, like, oh, is this, like, a Walter Scott or is this, like, a you know, Evening Land or like some sort mm. of like serious mm-hmm. organ producer who, you know, in, intends on having a lot of reduction in their, in their wines. Like a lot of good reduction, obviously. Yeah. Not like fucked up egg reduction, you know, like, <laughs> but, um, well. but yeah, so I, I got that. Or maybe even like, yeah, I don't know. I don't have enough like serious California Pinot to know if, like, if there are places doing it, making, you know, reductive styles or whatever. I feel like but, there's um, some wine like, I don't know if people are doing a whole lot of reductive stuff, but in terms of profile, like Santa Rita Hills. Um, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Which might be my... Like Santa Lucia Highlands. Yeah. Like yeah. I think Santa Rita Hills might be my favorite California Pinot. I think I've said that before, actually, mm-hmm. on this show. Um, I think so. I Yeah. I've had enough, like, I don't love California Pinot. I don't I don't hate it, but it's not like I, I don't seek it out necessarily, but I, I pretty consistently have really liked the stuff I've had out of the Santa Rita Hills. And I could see this wine, like it in profile was a bit more like the reduction is kind of the thing that would guide me back to old world with it, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, that's all. Yeah. There's a very interesting, like, cause that is something that you can really affect with pick date decisions and processing decisions. Um, especially when you're still at like, cause you said it was a 2012. Like when you're, uh, yeah, yeah, when you're still in that window, those sorts of things. Like one of the things that made the Loire cool, and uh, some of the other wines we had that night is they were too. They were like 
that wine felt like it was already sort of at the place of like this is what this wine is and it's moving into that like the real like sort of nirvana version of tertiary expression where it's like yeah the terroir is like everything that you know a wine either falls apart or it becomes just this expression of the stuff that like was always going to be there no matter what was done it just had to be like preserved in the right way um which we should get to talking about with some of the other wines we had because was this yeah bana well no, the we, um the, the one next was the um the corton yeah i was sorry i was Corton's, trying to, yeah. was the spana number four or no spana was Wait, this is one two um, and then no, three, i think four, it five. was six the, yes okay I think so. yeah okay so it it did come yeah. after the pinos in the lineup yeah yeah, yeah right, i was gonna cool. say we can yeah. do finish doing the pinos and then we can say this is the end of the regular episode oh yeah the rest can be patreon Sansakita. You're getting fucking Loire and Grier and you know, <laughs> they're getting enough for free. You know what I mean? <laughs> get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and the shit that we get into next. Well, and actually, the, the, so the Spana makes, well, because we, I think when we recorded together live a year ago, um, we talked about Spana because we had one that was a year mm. younger. A year younger, yeah. And that wine fucking... That's what I meant about where I was going with Nebbiolo fucking kicking the doors down. Go God. Yeah, that wine, that wine fucking fucks. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the Corton was, um, the Corton was like, again, well, I, I don't know. It was both older um, and more, like it was more mature, not just in terms of age, but also in terms of expression of things similar to the Dugat P in terms of uh, darkness and intensity. Mm-hmm. But it had had time to develop those into something with more finesse, but still was not playing like, you know, it was playing uh, different, just different um, chords than the Loire. Like it was not trying to be in the same register of, um, of expression. It, it was my take. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, that was one of those wines where I was like, does it need more? Does this need more age? Does is this like i would love to try another bottle of that quartone um maybe two years um yeah i could also see decanting it like overnight helping potentially yeah yeah because uh yeah i don't know i think give it a couple years and oh by the way the yeah the food we had with all this i guess we can talk about uh, there's a lot to talk about can we do three episodes yeah i think we i don't know because um well we can talk about it uh, in a second, let's um. Oh, wrap up the actually wrap, wrap the, this one up and hit pause and stuff because I I want to save them separately so that you know. Oh yeah, yeah, good idea. Um, but yeah, the the um the three burgundies um believe it or not, blind. I believe people were just kind of like I don't know, uh, I don't know. It's okay. Eh, yeah, eh, it's all right. I don't know. And then when they were revealed, it was kind of like, what? What? Yeah, what? You know, like, oh, what? You know, it was <laughs> yeah. one after the other after the other. Because it was like, no, but, no, 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 but no, actually, smell it again. No, this is actually really good. No, no, they didn't say that. Fortunately, they were all honest. And they were like, wow, I was, it was said a couple times. Oh, man, I just, right, maybe they just, these just need more air. And it's like, they were double decanted like two hours ago. Like, they, maybe they do. And we can, we can have them with food over the course of, you know, the evening, but. I think this is kind of what you're getting at of these, you know. Yeah, I'm impressed, and uh, that's fine. That that's the thing, as well. That like I was trying to like cut the line of is like they were all great. They weren't. I they weren't like I think I should have to spend two hundred dollars to buy this kind of wine wines. Yeah, and in every case, I can think of wines that I know are less than a hundred dollars that are comparable examples of pinot noir like yeah i you know that and that you know is the other thing is like they were i think they were all good i think that they were especially in the case of the Loire. it's like yeah i said lots of complimentary things about that wine i am sure i would just laugh to know the price of that like at like just a you know if you found it at a store not an auction or something but like if somebody was just selling it they'd be like yeah this is like i don't even know it'd probably be i can tell you Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Um uh there's a place in Rhode Island that has a bottle. 
Um, and they're the only place in the... So the, the wines... Oh, yeah. So, okay. So for the 2006 Domaine Loire-Archezeau. I don't know if it was Domaine or Maison. I, I can't remember. But um, do you want to take a guess? $1,150. You're going to... It's a steal. Oh. nine ninety nine ninety seven. <laughs> it's a steal. So, yes. $1,000. Yes, yes. For $1,000. Oh, God. It's actually... It's in California. Sorry. Yeah. Well, so, believe it or not, on this website it says ninety nine ninety seven or for interest free payments of two forty nine ninety nine. That's not bad. Uh, no, so, even like something, something. Tell me if you if you're buying this wine, you're not you know making multiple payments. No. If if that wine was not nah, even if it was just two hundred forty nine dollars, like I I still have yeah. like I would buy that wine in the context of like. It, if it were $249, right? Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, if it were a quarter of the price, I would buy a bottle yes. to show to someone who invited me over because they were like, oh, I got a hold of like DRC, but I don't, I can't think of any other wines to open with it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if I was invited by someone to drink that those kind of wines, I would, you know, consider it. But yeah. like it, you know, saying like it, if I was correct and remembering rightly that like they're the only other people to work with certain fruit that DRC has, I'd try yeah. to find that. But no, I like uh, bottles of wine. You want to hear a fucked up things? Fuck me. That they're bottling on according to on the like wine searchers averages and stuff. Their bottling of um, Romanée Saint Vivant mm-hmm. is more than twice as expensive as DRC's. Wow. Yeah. 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 So, folks, if you want to hear us talk about the bottling of DRC, no, no, no. Um, so, um, if you should I run through the list of of wines that they sh- if they want to hear about, they should go to Patreon.com/slash/CorkTaint and sign up. Do it, baby. Yep. All right. 1989 Trevion, 1998 Moussar, 1954 Valana Spana, 1983 Olga Rafaud 1978 Cheval Blanc. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 1970 Inglenook, uh, 2004 Doisy Dane L'Extravagant, 2015 Sudero, uh, a Brooklyn Wolf Trockenberry Nouse Laser from the 70s. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Sorry, folks. That's it. So That's all. If you want to hear about those, go to patreon.com slash corktaint and uh, give us like $2 a month, you know, and then you can hear about it and uh, tell your friends and shit if you and, uh, give us two dollars a yeah. month then with just and just 500 of you sign up then we could afford one <laughs> bottle of the then we could <laughs> we could we yeah could. that's very true yeah now that's a great point yep math right, it'll make you sad all right folks thank you for listening thank you and very uh, much we love you dearly have a good time <laughs> jesus christ dude <laughs>